Well, welcome to the Wilmington Church of Christ Backstory Podcast. My name is Dale, Dale McCamish, forgot my own name, and I'm with Kevin and Bonnie Reed, uh, members of our church who are here to tell us their story, their, the backstory behind the testimony that we've heard so far. So uh, Kevin and Bonnie, welcome, and thanks for being here. Uh, just So my first question I ask a lot of times is, tell me about how you got introduced to Jesus Christ and uh, when you be, when you became saved, when you said, hey, I'm all in on Jesus. So, Bonnie, you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for thanks for having us. So, when was I introduced to Jesus Christ? I um, I grew up um, in the church, um, and I always say now, and um, not that it's a a bad thing, but I, I always say now that you know I grew up in the church, but I didn't really grow up in Christ, oh. which was a difference for me, sure. um, somewhat. But I grew up in church. Um, my my um, family. Uh, started a church um, in Xenia, um, helped start a church. Um, Xenia, Ohio. Xenia, Ohio, yes. Um, and uh, started out in the basement of the YMCA in Xenia. Nice. And then it moved uh, to an actual building, you know, which my, my grandfather was uh, and grandmother were instrumental in, um, you know, kind of the I won't say charter members of the church, but mm-hmm. you know, really. And then that's exactly that's where my parents met and got married and the whole nine yards. And so went there um, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Daddy uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Daddy drove the church bus. Um, that's just the way my life was growing up. I was baptized when I was right about um, thirteen years old, um, and um, I think uh, you know that that whole that whole scenario is it means different to me now i knew what baptism was and and what i was doing um kevin and i have talked about this extensively that it was um you know it it was time it Mm -hmm. was you know you got to an age in your family when you in a in a in a a family that was involved in the church it's you know you understand what baptism is and um you know you're buried and 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 right right raise again Mm -hmm. um in christ and um so that so that all happened when I was about thirteen, and I can tell the time frame because um, I was nine years old when my grandfather died, and I think that was a little bit of when our life started to change um, in my family when my grandfather died, and kind of the family started to kind of trickle apart when it came to church. Oh, and I can he say that held things. He held the family. He held together family together. I think. I think he held. I think it had a lot to do with the influencer in my house, which was my dad. You know, and I remember him kind of bowing out of church mm. after my grandfather died, and because um, he came to church to see me and my sister get baptized that evening, but he didn't come to church regularly with right. us anymore. I think when you say the, you're the description you just gave, I think that is a lot of people's story. And then when you say, "Hey, I grew up in the church, but not in Christ," I think I think a lot of people go through that. When you got baptized, were you? Do you think? you were getting into Christ then, or do you think you were still just doing the church role um, and going, but not really in Jesus then, but just involved in the church? I think it was involved in the church. What What is that? What's the transition like then for you that you were involved with the church, you were showing up every Sunday, um, you, you know, you were going to Sunday school. Did you get the Sunday school pins? Like, if you showed up every week, you, yeah. you got a pin for yes, a perfect we attendance. Did. We did. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Um, Bible Bowl. Bible Bowl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But all of that wasn't like, you don't feel like that was making, other than it's just a good, no. that's a good environment to grow it up was, in. It was a good it environment It wasn't changing you from the inside out. That's right. Yeah. And so when did that transition happen for oh, you? Oh, boy. <laughs> 
get, jump right in <laughs> to the <laughs> going into high gear here. Um, that transition really, um, really hit me. Actually, I have to say about um, six hundred and seventeen days ago. To be honest, that with you. seems like a really exact number. You want to tell us why you know that number <laughs> so exactly? Yeah, that that. Um, that came to me when I decided that I needed, when I knew I had to get sober. Um, I'm a recovering um, alcoholic, recovered alcoholic. It makes me think that maybe you've been sober for 617 That's days. right, 617 days. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> um, so that's when it really, it, it came to me. Um, I, I mean, I never knew I could have this relationship um, with Christ and the, and the peacefulness that I found. Um, and that all came to me um, you know, um, God just put the peop- the right people in my life at the right time through that journey that I was going through. You know, I had hit a, you know, just a bad way. I mean, um, you know, it's hard to tell someone like me with alcoholism with, you know, you know, you never know when that, when you hit that, when you hit that point where you go from a casual social drinker to an outright alcoholic, mm. there is a point in time there where you're like, I think that may have been when, you know, that happened. But I know, um, you know, uh, I, I was a heavy drinker. And then when our son got sick, um, that's when I hit, I call it the diamond level of alcoholism. What um, does that mean? What's diamond meaning like executive suite. I was like, you know, I was you were not the best. You were one of the best. I was, I was drinking. <laughs> I was, yeah, hitting it pretty hard. And, and that's when my, you know, life started to spiral, uh, started to circle the bowl, so to speak. Um, so, um, and when you were going through that, when you were what, what I've heard called rock, but you were hit, getting ready to hit rock bottom, yeah. you and Kevin were both married. Yep. And uh, so, Kevin, we haven't we haven't even gotten to you yet. So I, I am going to ask, when did you come to Christ and when did you have that transition? But what was it like um, uh, being married to someone who comes to the realization they're an alcoholic and and they're they're going to have to change now? Well, there's well, a lot in that question. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so, as a child, my parents were not really. Uh, a Christian family, okay. right? They didn't go to church. Um, you know, uh, somebody came and knocked on the door with a bus and said, hey, you want to come to church? So that's how I ended up going to church as a kid. A lot of people have that story. And, uh, you know, I got baptized when I was a kid. In uh, 74, I found the Bible they gave me right. uh, when I got baptized. 80. Or, no, 74. No, 74. 74, yeah. which meant I was eight yeah. Um, when I got baptized, I had no idea what that meant. All I know is I went up and asked to be saved, and they said, "Well, you got to get baptized now." So, you know, that's how that process and you got a Bible. worked. And I got a Bible <laughs> that I still have today. Um, I am not a pack rat. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, I fell out of the church. I'll call. I backslid. You okay. know, I quit going to church. My parents got divorced when I was twelve. Um, we'll just say I went down a path that uh, I shouldn't have. I was into a lot of things that I shouldn't have been in. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I realized early that that wasn't the path that I was supposed to take. Um, now, what I'm not talking about that? Christ. I'm talking about the, the drugs and the behavior. stealing and that, okay. right? Um, you know, so I, I quit doing all that stuff. I got my diploma. I went in the military, right? Um, 
I started uh, I started worshiping false gods. Okay, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I needed respect, which I didn't get as a kid. You know, I was poor. I had no money. I had nothing. Right. I needed I needed for people to look at me and say that's a good person. Or mm. you know, so so I started building on this rock that was me. You know, it was my rock. It wasn't a rock of Christ. It was my rock. And, uh, you know, I was successful at that for many years. You know, I wanted a job that I excelled at. I wanted a title. You know, I wanted people to respect me. I wanted to be somebody that people went, ooh, you know. Um, you know, I wanted the perfect family. You know, the house on the hill. You know, the, the that whole line of, of stuff. How and, long did uh, having a perfect family last? Uh, <laughs> I still have a perfect family. Oh, okay. <laughs> good recovery. Um, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, our son got sick, um, you know, and, and tell, I have tell to be honest with her. Your and, son and you guys, getting sick, because uh, when, when I hear your son gets sick, I think of my child when he gets sick and you know, he, I just give him some Tylenol, send me to bed, he's right. better the next day. So, but this, when your son got sick, it blew up your your world. Right. He so, had adult acute lymphoblastic leukemia, um, is what he was diagnosed with. So, uh, how old was he when that happened? 27. Uh, 27. And how long, how long had you all been married at that point? It's too much math. Um, well, we've been married 30 years now, so. I would say 22 years. Okay. Um, yeah. We'd been married. So uh, so life for us changed at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, everything was focused on my son, right? Um, my job let me come back home from Baltimore, and I took my son to all of his appointments. You know, I was at the hospital. I stayed with him. You know, that's what my focus became, my son. And uh, wasn't really focusing on anything else. And then in the off time of that, um, you know, I, I was drinking as well. You know, uh, but not not like uh, my wife was doing at that at that time. Well, she was at the executive level. It's hard to get up right. there. That's right. Diamond. Well, level. diamond level. Bonnie, being a nurse, I think she knew what the outcome was going to be um, way before I accepted that for your son. Yeah, and. Uh, so, you know, we fought it. My son fought it for a couple of years, close to two years. And uh, he passed on uh, March 7th at 6.53 a.m. Mm. So, um, and that's when I started drinking too. And I, I talked about false idols. You know, I was really mad and I refused to talk to God. I wasn't going to. Mm. And uh, so I'd done the same thing. Uh, my God was craft beer and fancy bourbon. Yeah. So um, it it does help you forget for a minute, though, right? It, or at least it numbs, numbs. the pain and then just comes rushing back in as yep. soon as the numbing wears off. So right? you start doing it again. Right. And so, so you, and eventually, uh, my understanding is you have to increase to get the same numbness effect. Yeah, so both much. of you are numbing yourselves and, and not you're winning. Bonnie, I am. You're winning. I'm winning the race. And uh, something yeah. happened where you said, "Hey, I got to have this change." Well, what <clears throat> it uh, it's weird. I, I can't I can't even explain what it was. But what was going on was that I was drinking so much um, that when I didn't drink, when I chose, when I said I'm not going to drink, 
I would have seizures because my body mm. was withdrawn from alcohol. Um, so yeah, that's a sign. That's well, I didn't. <laughs> so the first time that happened, you know, I wasn't drinking because my five month he's fi was five months at the time. Um, he's a little over two years old now. He had come over. We were babysitting, watching him and your grandson, my grandson. And I came down the stairs with him in my arms and I sat down and Poppy had gotten his bottle for me and I sat down and I put the bottle in his mouth. And that's the last thing I remember because oh, wow. I had a grandma seizure holding him. Um, so were he, you there when that happened? Yeah, he was. That's scary. What went yeah, through was, your mind? I actually thought she was dying. Oh, wow. So a uh, trip to the emergency room, and that was on December 30th. That, that day was December 30th, and that was the first seizure I'd had. I say the first seizure because there were more mm -hmm. that came after that. Um, you know, and so entering that phase a couple months later, and, you know, after that, you know, I still refused to believe that it was alcoholism. It has to be something else, mm -hmm. you know, that was going on. They did all kinds of tests on me and... Why you know, do you think you wanted to deny that it was alcoholism? Because I didn't want to not drink. Mm. Because I didn't want to admit that I was an alcoholic. Alcoholic, that would have meant another failure in mm. my eyes. You know, I failed my family because my son died. You took that as a failure you did. Yeah, because well, I'm a nurse. <laughs> Bonnie, you to took that as a failure you did. And Kevin, you were taking that as a failure God did. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the last the last seizure... Uh, the last trip to the hospital, again, I was on the I was on a phone I was on a phone call, a business call, and the people that I was on the phone with, they knew something had happened to me, and they called my boss, who then called my husband, oh, wow. who was out in the field on our farm, who had to come in, called nine one one again because Bonnie was under her desk after having another seizure. I wasn't. It's because I wasn't drinking, and so there was a physician. I said a little bit ago that. You know, I think God put the right people in my life at the right time. Mm -hmm. it, I can't, I mean, there's no other, not that I need an ex explanation for that, but, you know, the, the emergency room physician came in and he says, you know, have you ever heard of alcoholism? <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, he talked to us a little bit. He talked to Kevin you know, about different support groups and things like that. And uh, he walked out of the room. He, he just spent a fair amount of time that I've never seen as a nurse. And, you know, emergency medicine is not my practice. I'm, you know, more of a policy writing nurse. And, you know, the physician spent just an amazing amount of time with Kevin and I mm. because he felt compelled because he had an alcoholic mother. Mm that he grew up with. Yeah, the right person at the right time. Right person at yeah. the right time to talk to us about it. And I said, it. something came over me and laying in that bed, and I said, I surrender to it. I'm done. And you that, know. Is that when you first admitted? Uh, okay. Yeah. I looked that at was the surrender. That was the surrender. I'm, I'm done. I can't do that. I'm an alcoholic. I can't do this. Immediately, you know, from that point on, it's just been a, um, you know, it's been a journey um, trying to go through recovery, discover myself, discover, um, you know, I've discovered this relationship that I have with Christ that I never knew, you know, that again, bringing somebody into my life. I met someone who's, you know, been by my side, who can relate to me, 
you know, who is also an alcoholic. And from the from the moment she, you know, we both knelt down at church on our knees and, you know, I just gave it all to God at that time. And it just the, you know, from that from that day forward, you know, I, I mean, I can, there's like, there's like milestones that I've hit, you know, in my recovery. You know, that day in the hospital was one, you know, swoop that came over me and just surrendered that I had to, I had to give this up and I have to admit that I have, you know, this problem. And then, you know, working with other, you know, alcoholics and, and um, you know, just given everything, all of my problems, you know, to God and, and just learning more and my faith just gets stronger. And I had no idea, you know, that I could have this sense of peace ever in my life that I have now, ever, ever. Mm. I've never been as happy and as peaceful and as content as I am today, you know, and things aren't perfect. Life comes right. at us, right? you know, it blows every, you know, throw everything at us, you know, and, um, you just take, you just, you know, you take the punches. You can because you have that 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 sense of of security and peacefulness in in Christ in our life. Mm -hmm. It's and you can you can enjoy Jesus without being numb to absolutely the, to the pain that you are still going through. Absolutely, absolutely. I am. Um, you know, when it when it comes to, you know, our son and, and his loss, you know, I wish every day that he was here, miss him every day, every moment, every time we, you know, something occurs, you know, every time I look at his daughters, mm. you know, and that look just like him and, and act like him, you know, and so I miss him every single day. Um, but I know that there is a purpose in this. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll, it'll be, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. God, God is, ta he's, um, I can, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel that loss. You can do that. It's okay. Which is, I don't want to take Kevin's story because that was his, that was his, his awakening, but, um, it's okay. Mm. It's all right. We're going to get up tomorrow and someday, I don't know what I'm going to see, who I'm going to see. But someday, I have to believe that we're gonna be we're gonna be together again. I'm gonna, you know, hear him say, "Hey, mama," <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, so Bonnie's going through that. You're taking her to the hospital. You just got finished taking your son to the hospital, and he passes. Bonnie starts having seizures, and you are drinking to numb because you think God has made a mistake, and you're mad at him, but you don't want to talk to him about it. Uh, so you summed right. it up to that point. So pick pick up pick up from there. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm worshiping this false idol of uh, craft beer and and fancy bourbon. Okay. And, uh, you know, I know uh, I'm I'm getting to a point that I'm tired of doing that. Right. That's and that's what kind of brought us to a head when it come to that because I, I was getting tired of we could walk into some place. We, you know, we had routines, so mm -hmm. I could walk into this one bar on Tuesday night, and before we sat down, our drinks would be setting at the bar. They knew you. They were norm. knew what we norm were. Just we came were in. norm, <laughs> and all the different places that we frequented at, because we didn't want to go to the same place every night. 
right? Because then you know uh, people are going to start to question. So sure. it's, we're going to go here Monday night. We'll go there Tuesday night. There's not a microbrewery within a hundred miles we haven't stepped foot in, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, so. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm getting tired of that. You probably uh, weren't fooling anybody. No, and uh, especially <laughs> our families. You, except you, you were fooling yeah. yourself, but you weren't right. fooling anybody. Else. We weren't fooling our families either because they were getting tired of us showing up at a kid's birthday party with a twelve pack of craft beer, a bottle of wine, and a bottle of bourbon. You know, so uh, you know, so I was getting a little tired of it, wanting to uh, wanting some kind of change. I still didn't know what the answer was, and I still wasn't talking to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so angry. Um, so after her first seizure, um, you know, I thought, okay, things are going to calm down, and we can kind of figure this out. We can, because up to this point, we hadn't even let ourselves grieve. Right, right. You're still numbing yourself instead of going through any kind through of process. emotions. Right. Okay. Right. Plus, you, we don't. We're not taught how to grieve. We're not taught how to go through uh, death, much less the death of a child. We're not. We're not taught that. And now, the church doesn't really have a good uh, policy. Like we don't have, like uh, most churches don't have, like the class. Hey, here's you. You need to go through this class on on how to write your checkbook and how to tithe. But we don't have the class on like here's how you're going to go grieve the death of a loved one. Yeah. And here's how you need to go through this class. We we teach a lot of the other classes. Here's your theology, here's your apologetics, but most churches, including ours, we don't have a class like you need to go to this class on here's how here's how you're going to handle death. Well, we went to this group um, that was for grieving parents. Okay. And we went to the first meeting of it and we was like, "Oh, there are people that get us." Mm. These people understand exactly because people that haven't have not lost a child. Um, what they think is the worst thing that it would feel like doesn't come close. Um, Steve Rose, he's our ba- one of our bass players, and he lost a child. And he told me one time that exact same thing. He said, "Dale, you." He said, "You are never going to know what this feels like." So please, I hope I, you never know. I had I had to go to a, I had to go to a funeral. I had to go comfort someone as pastor. And he and it was someone who lost a child, and he gave me advice before I went. He said, "Dale, you got to know going in. You do not know. You need to keep this in mind. You do not know what they're going through." And he said the same thing. I hope you never know, but you need to know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So don't act like you know. Don't right. don't try to say the right thing because you're not going to say the right thing, and nothing you say is going to help in this moment. But you showing up will help. But um, he he told me you just will never know this, and so you needed the people that knew. Right. So we went there the first meeting, and it, it, it was good. It felt good. Validated. It was validated. We're not our, crazy. Our, right. It, mm. it validated our walking into the walls because we didn't know where the wall was at. You know, our brain was somewhere else. I mean, when Tom passed, I didn't get off the couch for a week. Mm. Um, I didn't eat for a week. And uh, So then we went to the next week's meeting, and it was it was like, no, this isn't working anymore. This isn't helping. It became a... A, a sob story kind of meeting. Mm. Um, and right across the street from there was a craft brewery. <laughs> so <laughs> one of them is easier than the other. Right. So <laughs> what we do, and there were people from there that would meet us uh, at the craft brewery. Well, they're going through the same thing you are, uh, right? You got to yep. numb the pain. So, so what shifted? Um, what changed? So you're getting tired of the brewer, the, the alcohol numbing. So let's let's get back to where I was at in my story. Okay. And, uh, 
All right, so Bonnie started drinking again. We she we were fighting and arguing a little bit, and so we went out and had some beer. And I it, do want to circle back to how your marriage didn't end, because like uh, 80, 85, 88 percent of right. all marriages that have a have a kid die, they end the marriage too. So I want to circle back to that, but keep going. So, all right, so. Um, we had been arguing. She had been drinking again, and it was all day long, and I was done. Well, I, to myself, I said, I, I, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch her go through that again. Um, so I packed my bags, and I went and stayed at actually her mom's house. Her mom was in Florida. And uh, I had still had to come home every day to tend to the animals. So okay. I'd come home, and that's what I was doing when she had her. Uh, second one, I was at the house and uh, feeding the, the livestock. And There's another example. Somebody at the right place at the right time, though, right? Um, you know, so I get that phone call. So when uh, the night before that happened, um, I had gone to uh, an Al-Anon meeting. So I, could, I went there looking for tools to put in my toolbox to fix her. And then I found out I couldn't fix, you know, it wasn't for me to fix that issue, right? I needed to figure it out for myself. So anyway, um, I had left there. It was in Hillsboro. I left there and I went to uh, Port William. And uh, we had been getting a lot of rain and the the creek in Port William was swollen, Mm -hmm. right? And I pulled over right by the creek here at the dam um, there in Port William by the old mill. Yes. and I'm watching this big trunk, this big, big trunk, still had a root ball on the end of it, come down this, uh, this, this swollen creek. And um, it, uh, it had spun around where the root ball was in the back and the, 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 the trunk piece was pointed mm-hmm. downstream. And it hit that dam and that root ball was hanging on the, the edge of the dam and the tree trunk was up in the air. And I'm sitting there looking at that and go, man, that has been my life. You know, oh. It was, it had been sailing along nice and peacefully in a calm, you know, waters. And all of a sudden it hit the, you know, my son got sick. Everything just got in turmoil. Right. Right. And that, uh, it finally went over the top of the dam and it landed at the bottom. And where I was parked at, I could see this, uh, it's just turmoil. It's just spinning in this water at the mm. bottom of this, this dam. And then finally it shot out. And it was calm, and it got stuck on the side of the bank further down the creek. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, man, that has been my life. And uh, that's when I that's when I got my argument. Argument with God. That's uh, scriptural. There's uh, several places in the scripture. So how do you have an argument with God? <laughs> well, we always lose. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I won. Okay. I look at it as a win, right? Because I just let him have it. You know, I'm like, you know, how could you do this? How mm. could you do this to me? How could you do it to my son? You know, my family, his family. You know, how could you take him from everything that I had gotten to enjoy up to that point with my kids, right? And uh, what do he say? Well, it took him about two weeks, give or take a day. Um, Took you that long to hear him? <laughs> well, um, I, I'm going to say yes. So because he kind of slapped me in the face with the answer. Okay. Because we'd started to come here. It was like the second time we were here. Okay. Um, 
here to Wilmington Church of Christ. Yes, here to Wilmington Church of Christ, right? My church. So you had was talking about in your sermon about prayer and prayer. It was like prayer training, how to train yourself to pray, right? And I picked up the literature you talked about. You said, you know, there's some papers out in the station out there. So I picked one up. I took it home. And it started you off by reading Psalms. Mm. All right. So the first night, you know. It was um, 40 days of prayer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was, 40 days of prayer. Uh, by the way, if anybody's interested in that 40 days of prayer, I only ever did like 30 days of prayer. So you can get to like 29 <laughs> days of prayer. We never. <laughs> and there was somebody that called the church the other day. I'm doing this prayer thing online and only found 29 days. Where's the rest? <laughs> they were never written. Never written. So, All right, so, so you didn't do it either because you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't need to do any more. Okay, no, I, I kept going. So I got into Psalms and I got into Psalms 4 4. Right. And I'm going to paraphrase because depending on what version sure. of the Bible you have depends on what it says. But it basically, the first two words were be angry. Be angry. Mm. And the second two words or the second the part of it, you know, uh, don't sin. Mm. Be angry. Don't sin. Go to your room and meditate or go to your private uh, yeah. place, you know, go meditate. Well, he just answered my prayer. He told me I was allowed to be mad. <laughs> I love that. It's okay. I've heard be you mad. tell that story before. Yeah. Be angry. Um, and the moment I read that, it was like, oh, he just talked to me. Mm. So that was the first time he talked to me that I listened to him talking to me. You know, so so after all that, I've, I've seen him everywhere. You know, I see him all the time. He's just, he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, he's just, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and I have to say, you know, that's when everything really started to change for us because I got to see the positive things. You know, I got to spend two years with my son while he was sick. I got to see him almost every day. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have otherwise. Wouldn't have otherwise. He's a, he was an adult son. So ask yourself, you know, your your own your your children as they become adults, how often do you see them? Mm. You know, so I, I got to see him every day. There was nothing left unsaid between us. Mm. You know. Um you know, so that that was a gift to me. Yeah, I think that um I I there are some people who teach there is a reason for everything. And God causes everything. And I, I'm not one of those. I I do believe that um, God does not cause sin, and I don't think he is the source of evil. But I am of the firm opinion that he can redeem any situation that he allows. And so because he does still allow evil and because he still allows death and destruction and even us to go down our path of destruction. Like, he'll allow me to go down that path. He'll tell me not to, but he'll allow me to. Um, I think he can redeem that, though. And it sounds like I don't think he caused the cancer in your son. No, right? I don't think he did. But I think he re- he was putting it out there for you to redeem it, and you're now seeing God gave me that as a gift. He, he turned something that was meant for evil into a gift. You know, Joseph said, you all meant it for evil, but God was going to change this and make it into something good. And you, when you confess, hey, God allowed me to have two years with my son as a gift, that's him redeeming the situation. And I, I think that's beautiful. I, I, we all need to hear that. You know, not everybody goes through the loss of a son, but everybody goes through loss. Everybody experiences something. We need to be trained in uh, God can redeem this. 
Um, so you, you're arguing with God. You're, you're still allowed to be angry, but yeah. now you're starting to see joy even in the midst of that suffering. Yeah, you know, I look at, uh, you know, since, since all that happened, you know, that's when I had my argument the next days when she had her seizure and she admitted to, uh, you know, that she was an alcoholic and it was like everything just started to turn around for us again. Um, not overnight, but, right? It wasn't not easily, it, right? I'm it wasn't, gonna... <laughs> right? But it's, I want just you know, but everything started to, to turn around, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I my grandkids are back now; they're not in Vermont anymore. Mm. You know, my my yeah, our middle son, church not too right? long, the yeah. last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep, our middle son, um, they're having their first grandchild. Our youngest son's having their second grandchild. You know. Um, Things are going really well, and and it's only it's only because of the relationship that I've developed with uh, Jesus. It's 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 really hard for me to put into words. Um, you know, I come here. You know, I do some work around here because it's needed to be done. I enjoy coming here and hanging around fellow people uh, uh, that believe in Jesus. Um, we really don't have any friends outside the church anymore. Mm. Uh, yes, we do. We do, but we don't. We don't. There's everybody we hung out with before. Uh, we don't hang out with anymore. Well, that had to change. Mm-hmm. Like if you were going to stop drinking, you, yeah. you had to change your the people you hung out with. Um, not that you don't like those people, but the, the environment is just not going to be good for you, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I did leave out, I did get – well, I said earlier I got baptized when I was a kid, but I really didn't know what was what what it meant. And I got baptized here on a Thursday night mm-hmm. uh, before cave or Wednesday night before cave. And uh, I have to say, when I come out of that water, I felt the difference. Mm. You know, it, it was it, it it's, it's even that's hard for me to put into words. I knew I was different when I come up out of that water. Mm-hmm. There was just something about me um, had changed, and uh, you know I'm hungry. I'm just I am hungry. I cannot get enough. Um, enough and of I hope what? that never You're changes. You're hungry, and you can't get enough of what of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I hope that never changes. Yeah. I hope that hunger. I pray that that hunger never leaves me. I want to stay as hungry a hundred years from now as I am right now hmm. I we we just had um, recovery soldiers ministries in mm-hmm. last Sunday and they gave their testimony mm-hmm. and I thought it thought it was neat kind of goes along with what you said Kevin they when they teach salvation they also uh, connect baptism to it and I, I love how um, and I'm speaking for them I'm not for sure but they they don't say you can have a change without having a real change mm-hmm. and um, there's a connection I think God makes in Scripture to that moment in time where we submit to Christ in baptism, that it is a, it is a marker in our timeline where we know that for sure God is changing us and has changed us. But some people go in the water and they come up and they don't feel anything, even though that's still a boundary marker. For, they can always look back at that date. Um, but some people really do come up out of the water and they feel they feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. They feel the new life. Uh, Paul says, you know, you're a new creation in Christ. But when he says it in chapter 6, he says, you're buried and your old self is now dead Mm -hmm. and you're a new person. I mean, 
and in Galatians, he says, you've clothed your Christ, yourself with Christ when you are baptized into him. There, there is a something different that happens to you. And so I'm not surprised that you say you felt it. Um, I'm more surprised when, when I get baptized, I don't feel it. Uh, <laughs> I taught a baptism class one time, and every person in the class uh, got to baptize me three or four times to practice. So I'm sure one of those took... <laughs> But I didn't feel any different after the after the twenty first time that night of being baptized. Right, so but you I was got really hoping twenty times, <laughs> twenty one. Uh, yeah, seven people baptized me three times each, and uh, I know one of those had to have taken. <laughs> I had to take. <laughs> but, but I love I love hearing that story. When Alex uh, Soto got baptized um, a couple of months ago. He came up out of the water. He said, man, I feel strong. He said, I don't think I can go like stand in front of a bus, but I feel different. <laughs> I feel strong with the spirit. And he was just walking he felt like his feet never touched the ground because he felt it. He felt different. And so you've been hungry for it and your life changed. You got you got a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And, and so yeah. uh, let's circle back. How did you how did your relationship not end? And, and what has been some struggles you say you're still some, you're still not perfect, but you're yeah. you're together and you're in Christ. So tell me, tell me, or tell somebody who might be listening to this, um, what what do they need to look for? What do they need to do um, if they could if you could give them some advice on how to keep their marriage together or how to how to get through this grieving period if somebody goes through grief? Because you said it. Well, I taught about prayer, but I didn't teach about grief. Yeah. It just so happens that God is so gracious; He gave you the answer while you were praying. Um, so how can we go through grief, and how can you keep your marriage together if you're going through grief? You have to go through it. You have to let yourself go through the grief. Okay. Because if you don't, it will. It will come back. But okay. as a couple, it, how do you go? How do you maintain? I mean, I, for me, I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I did. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I think you have to... Um, he went, he had to grieve once we figured out that we could, and then I had to grieve. So you almost have to take care of yourself before you can take care of each other. Mm, like in the you airplane, have to find, it says yeah, put the oxygen well, mask on yourself right. first. You gotta, okay. Yeah, you got to get your oxygen ma- mask on before you can before you can help, help each other. Um, but really, I truly think that, um, you know, and so it, it just goes back to understanding that He's going to view things a little differently than I am. I'm going okay. to view things a little differently than he does. And having the having the um, the ability to just understand that, you know, you're, that's another thing I've you know learned in in recovery and all the principles that I that I learned, you know, faith, integrity, you know, brotherly love, you know, <laughs> understanding, uh, patience. You know, he's gonna he's gonna you know get to it. He has a different. It affects him differently. It affects me differently. But together as a couple, I think it's because we had, um, we had a pretty strong marriage, marriage before with. that, yeah. as far as respecting one another. Um, and I could never, I could never, um, I could never see my life without him, you know, or my family. As I knew that, you know, we got to hold things together. Um, I come from a divorced family. Mm-hmm. He comes from a divorced family. That divorce is never an option okay. in my eyes, you know, when it come when it came to that. Um, you know, we got through, you know, 
I don't know. We came out the other side and we were still still together. So <laughs> not turning back now. <laughs> but, um, but you had to go through. We did. We did. We. You had to go through. And you had to go did. through at least some point without numbing the pain, but like yeah. working through the pain. We did. Yeah, we did. Um, you have to. Uh, and she's absolutely right. We're both... Everybody grieves a little bit differently, and everybody okay. grieves at their own pace. Um, some people get through it quicker than other people. Okay. Um, you have to allow for that space. You have to allow for that to happen um, and just be there. Mm. And, um, be there know, for each other. Be there for okay. each other. Yeah. Um, listen. Right. Be able to, to stop and just stop and listen to what and to what what you know i would stop and listen to what he had to say and i'd say hey i gotta talk to you about this mm. you know because that was another thing um i think that it could have really hurt our our marriage and you know um and that is the ability to be honest i think we've always had the potential to be honest with one another but through my recovery honesty was a big <laughs> big deal mm. um it is today and so and getting thing not um, not harboring any kind of you know resentment or poor feelings. If he says something, you know, or does something, and I'm like, oh, why'd you do that? I, I don't, you know, lash out. You know, you have to stop and say, hey, let's talk about that. Mm. She, <laughs> she that doesn't sometimes. do anything that uh, I have to do that to. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, she does do that. Oh, yeah. um, and allowing each other to make mistakes, you know? I mean, I'm not perfect. You know, he's not perfect. And just allow, I don't, I don't know. Life is great. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know that um, when you're in the midst of it and, you know, you're trying to deal with it, and you hit on it a little bit earlier, too, that, you know, there's nothing anybody can say or do that's going to make it any better. Okay. You know, um, all you can do is just be there. Um, you know, Job talks about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, with the, uh, it's three friends and then uh, Elihu afterwards, you know, all, all, all you can do is just be there. Mm. Um, and that's it. As somebody from, a, as an outsider, that's, that's all you can do is just be there. And um, there were plenty of people who that showed were up that you would want to say, that you can say, because you can't maybe tell everybody's name, who showed up and was there for you you two? Besides God, who did God put in your place as you were coming out on the other side or as you were going through it? Who did God put in your life that um, helped? Ooh, on the, on the, on the, the tail end. Um, ooh, um, wow, I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, there has been so many. Uh, you know what, I'm going to put Ed out there. Ed Blouse, mm -hmm. right? Um, don't look him up. Don't look up his home number. Don't do any of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, what What do you want nothing. to say? You're, what do you <laughs> say? No, Ed not. has been a really good friend. Yeah. Um, you know, he hasn't pushed. Ed hasn't done anything. He's just been there, right? And as, you're talking about. But you're talking you, like now. As you were, as you were reacquainting yourself with Jesus, reestablishing that place of faith, becoming a new person in Christ. That's when Ed was there. That's when Ed was there. And he has been helping your growth just by being a friend that's around. Yep. 
Well, that's and, the church. And, uh, that's that's uh, how the church is supposed to work. And uh, you know, butter up your ego and, and Jacob's ego. Uh, you know, the sermons. It's like the first time we came here, it was uh, it was a visiting pastor. I think he used to be the pastor here. He now does the Lifeline. Okay, Keith Dimbath. Yeah, we, we have uh, a great relationship with Keith. Right. He did go off to Lifeline uh, Christian Mission, and uh, you know, God really took over his heart for missions. And um, so he didn't leave this congregation, and that wasn't a, a bad mm-hmm. leaving. It was just, hey, I've, I've got a calling to go to this. Mm-hmm. Mabel Merkel, one of the, the founding pastor's wife, when she was here, when he came back from his first mission trip, she she turned to, to her husband and he said, he's gone. <laughs> she just knew. He, w- he had the mission bug. Right. And uh, so he was visiting. He was visiting, and, and we were still searching for a church that, that fit us. Okay. And uh, so we decided we would come back, and then you were preaching. And it's it's, um, it's every time I come here, uh, there's a little nugget. I call them nuggets. I get a little nugget and a little something that uh, feels like it was meant just for me. Mm. I I um, really trust that if I put the Scripture out and explain the Scripture as clearly as I can, that God will— Use the Holy Spirit to take something in Scripture to impact somebody, and I we just have to keep trusting that the Scripture is going to speak to us. When you said you read Psalm four and God was speaking to you, well, He does. He says He speaks through us through the Word, and so um, Jacob, I think, has the same idea that if we, in in our elders too, if, if we can just present the Word clearly, God will speak through the Word, and so. Uh, you're not buttering up my ego if you say, "Hey, God's speaking to, me, to you through the Scripture." I love love to hear that. Right. <laughs> so that's what we get, or what I get when I come here. Um, you know, and that's that is what has been helping and leading me on my journey. You know, I, I had a conversation with you, I don't know, about a month ago. You know, because I've, I've been hungry. You know, I'm reading four books. I was reading four books in the Bible, and I'm trying to study and learn each book. And it, it just all started, you know, <laughs> it's meshing. It, it's like this, you know, and I'm going, okay, so so-and-so had long hair, but uh, so-and-so, no, wait a minute. That was in a lion's den. It's like den. the mad no, scientist of was, theology. You know, the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I had to just stop, you know, and I just pick one one book, one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just read that and and meditate on that one book so um that's been a, a little bit of a, a challenge for me um and then trying to figure out what i can read because there's so much out there that is not scripturally based when you when you go to read something outside of the bible mm. you know it, it's hard to it's hard to find something that you can trust and you know it's it's uh it's being fed from the Word of God and not and, But it is out there. God gave us teachers. So those mm-hmm. teachers, a lot of them have put their stuff in, in book form so we can learn from those teachers too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some. There's a lot of teachers I've learned from. I've never met them, and they're some of my best teachers because they explain the Bible to me. Uh, so Ed showed up and helped. Is there anybody else that sticks out that— Yeah, there's been, you know, Tim, Jeff— you know, like I said, you those are people here. Yeah, those, those are people are, here at this it's church. It's all been people Wilmington here at this church. church of Christ. Just want to put that. Out. <laughs> you know, how about I just say the cave? How about I just say the cave? Nobody in this podcast, the cave is a men's small group that meets on Wednesday night, and they claim to be something other than a men's Bible study, but it's really just a men's Bible study. Don't yes. don't let them fool you. It's still a men's Bible study, but it, they are. It is helpful to have yeah. those guys. Yeah. What about you, Bonnie? Who who stepped up? And you say, man, there there are people in my life that have 
if they hadn't been there, it wouldn't be the same. It would it would not have been as good. Yeah, I'd have to say a woman by the name of Delilah Pritchett is oh, someone Delilah. that she's fantastic. She is. Yeah, she's her and her husband Jamie yeah. are helping yeah. out with uh, some meetings in Wilmington even now. Yes, um, they just start, they just took over a group and they went from like zero people to fifteen people because they are they're so compassionate. They, they have are. a heart for people. They are. Um, they can they help people heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had invited Delilah to come here, the Recovery Soldiers. I don't think they showed up. I yeah, her. I was texting her that morning, and it was a bad morning at the Pritchett household. Oh, <laughs> Getting everybody happen. out and moving. <laughs> yeah, but if um, she is someone that, um, you know, she's the one that uh, she said, come on, let's do this, and got on my knees, and she got down on her knees with me and wow. let it go. Mm. So it was just an amazing, an amazing moment. She's been an amazing mentor for me. Um, you know, spiritually and 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 in other ways. So, um, just really helpful. And um, I have to say, um, if I had a couple of other people, um, one uh, one uh, friend of mine, um, her name is Laura Johnson, and um, her and her husband were friends with us when we were out drinking. We actually brewed beer and other stuff together. Um. But, Other stuff being alcohol. Yeah, no, sorry, not <laughs> not nothing illegal. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. But um, and you know, she knew I was in. She knew I was in trouble, um, and uh, she was always so patient with me. And you know, Kevin had called them, and actually, he he sold all of his fancy bourbon to them because when we say fancy, we mean pricey. Um, and he sold that all to them, and. Um, so they knew that we were, you know, not drinking anymore or anything. And she said, look, she called me. She said, I just want you to know that if if not drinking means what how I forget how she put it. She said, if if you're if you're not drinking anymore, if I have to choose between drinking and being having a friendship with you, she says, I want my friendship with you. Oh wow, that's powerful. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, that is really cool. Um, so, you know, that, that just really helped me, you know, cause there are, you know, wasn't always bad times. It got really bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it wasn't always bad. And, you know, you're kind of like, I gotta let that go. But, um, that was just really, really awesome. And so she's, she's been a really great friend to me and that's kind of helped me through a certain rough spots. You know, the first time I actually went out into an arena where I knew there was going to be people there that was around when I drank, she came with me. Mm. You know, we were going to dinner. And I said, I can't, I I would really like for you to be there when I go. Sure. You know, when we go, we were all there was a bunch of us and so she did. So that 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 meant a lot to me that she she stood next to me for that. And um here at church, I have to tell you, the women's group here at church, uh, the women that I've um um become friends with, I've gotten in I love to cook. Um, and, um, Tony Jenkins, she is something, <laughs> she is, she's great. um, but Tony Jenkins and, uh, Regina Blouse, and I mean, they've just really, um, you know, service work again is another, another one of those principles, you know, that I've applied in my life, um, in re- my world of recovery, um, but also in my world of faith and, mm-hmm. you know, service to the church and, you know, into the community. Um, and I believe strongly in that. Um, it's something I want to, you know, um, 
be an example of to my children, my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have actually with service when our kids were growing up. But um, so uh, Tony and, and Regina, you know, they've introduced me to other women here in the church. And mm. yeah, they're, you know, they're heavily involved in serving. Yes, absolutely. That's a great connection. If um, there, it seems like there's so much more in story. And so, uh, but I, I'd like to wrap up maybe with uh, this question. You're not prompted ahead of time by any of these questions. No. So great job. <laughs> um, this question is, um, what if there's one final thing you'd like to tell somebody that's struggling right now um, within, you know, struggling with their faith or struggling in grief, struggling with alcoholism, um, what would you want to tell them struggling in their marriage? What would you want to tell them as they go through the struggle? You need to know this. Uh, I want to, I want to, give this to you that you would know. Um, what, what do you think you'd want to tell? You are not alone. Mm. You are not alone. Reach out. Tell someone that you're struggling. You are not alone. If you have a bad story, somebody else has a worse story. <laughs> somebody knows what you're going through. Yes. That you're yeah. not alone in that. Yeah. You are not alone. You'll be mm. welcome um, when you tell someone that you're that you need help, whether you're struggling with depression, a loss in your life, alcoholism, drug addiction, you are not alone. And it's hard. It's hard to come to that. It's hard to surrender. It's not a failure. Um, there is light on the other side. Mm. You just got to get through it. You reminded me, I have a a buddy of mine named Mark Ramsey, he does a podcast called uh, It Doesn't Take a Genius. And it's mainly for business leaders and how to be more productive at work and how to help people uh, in, in interpersonal relationships at work. But he said when someone is authentic and they say they need help or they're in a, a place where they feel like they failed or they're not doing it right, he said a lot of times we feel like we can't tell somebody we're embarrassed. But he said when you do that, it actually draws people closer to you. They want they want to come into your life. Uh, They're yes. drawn to you. They want to help. They want to be around you. And, the, and they they don't think anything less of you because you ask for help. That's right. And so when you say you're not alone, you can ask for help, it will actually, people will actually be drawn to that yeah. like a magnet to help yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I Totally. And it, it takes so much courage to do that. So you feel, you should feel empowered to be able to say, when you say, I can't do this or I need help. You know, or you reach out and you try to try to get that. That man, that takes that takes courage. Have, what do we have to get over to get to that point where we say, "I need help"? There's something that prevents it. Ego. Ego. Your ego. You don't want anybody to know. Don't that want anybody to know. You're not perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's all. That's it's all your ego. Fear. Yeah. Fear. Fear. Fear of people finding out. Yeah. That you're not perfect. Yes. I don't. I yeah. don't know anybody that's perfect yep. except Jesus. And, so yeah. you're not alone. That's your. You are you not gotta alone. Get that. What you would you say, alone. Kevin? What, yeah, you guys hit all on it. For me, it would be ask sincerely. Ask, believe when you ask. Okay. For help, it it will come. Mm. And you're talking about ask God, but ask, ask people God, too. Even people. That's good. But ask. Well, man, I, I thank you for the courage of sharing your story and the input and advice that you've given me and uh, anybody that. Uh, is listening so um, you can always reach out to people at this church and we're not perfect either but we want to help and and we there are people here that will help but I think there are lots of churches like that I think there are good people in every church that yeah. if you're next to a church you can say I need help and 
Um, you may not find it on the first time, but there's somebody there down the road, down the line that's going to be like, yeah, I can help you, and, I'm, and I want to. Uh, I appreciate you coming. I appreciate the comments. Thank you. And Thank you. the uh, interview. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you.